0: Well, those of you who are used to being in this venue with us, um, it is a blessing to see you tonight. For those of you who aren't as used to being in this venue on a Wednesday night, it's even that much more of a blessing. No, that makes it sound like some of you are more important than others. You know me better than that. But it is a blessing to see all of you. Um, The common response tonight has been a common response, and it's a good one. It's called this. Whenever people don't know where to go, because Carrie's gone and Toby's gone, then I'm quick to say they vacated the premises. And all of you are saying, good, they needed to do that. And your good isn't a bad kind of good, right? It's like, hey, they need to get away like so many of us need to get away. So that's where they are. Nothing's wrong. Uh, We hope not, okay? Uh, Hopefully hopefully Toby doesn't uh, get onto me for telling you this, but I know that getting away involves jet skis and some of their kids and stuff like that. And so let's pray nothing goes wrong, right? We've all had uh, fun or you know, certain experiences when those are involved. Now, having said that, do want to call to your attention. I know we could uh, spend um, plenty of time speaking of joys and concerns. uh, I'm just going to trust my heart and mind in terms of giving a semi-update on Kathy McClellan. I know many of you have visited with her face-to-face. I've been texting her daily uh, as the dear friend that she is to me and lifting her up and Brenda as well. Um, And so... I will just go ahead and read to you what she said earlier today. She said, thank you, doing pretty good, just got through walking, went about 150 steps, wore me out, laugh out loud. And then this is how awesome she is. She's not concerned about her. Her next text said, praying for you tonight. How awesome is that, you know, in regards to a woman of God like Kathy is. So just wanted to update you on her. Many of you know more details than that, but I figured I'd pass that along while we're here together. Um, So without further ado, let's go ahead and ask for uh, the Lord's presence to be with us in an extra special way tonight. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we have gathered tonight not because of something we want to do to draw attention to ourselves, but it's because there is a right way to live and it's called to be in your house, it's called to study your word, it's called being with our brothers and sisters in Christ and I thank you for every one of these faces, not just in here in this auditorium, but the faces online that are watching. Lord, we thank you that your presence goes with us in a multitude of places. We ask for your presence to be around Toby and Carrie And Kel and Will and Sarah and any other families and friends involved in their getaway, Lord, we thank you that they can do that. Give them rest, relaxation. Uh, We look forward to hearing the word coming from Toby's lips as early as this coming Sunday. So Lord, thank you for being the God who gives us plenty of things to look forward to. And speaking of that, we look forward to this study right here, right now. Thank you so much for your son. It's in his holy name we pray. Amen. So, now... Here is the good news, and here is the bad news going into this. The good news, let's go ahead and give it first, is that if you don't like listening to many of my anecdotes whenever I lead a study or whenever I preach or whenever I teach, this is the night for you. Because there's not a lot of wiggle room for anecdotes, if you will. Okay? So you won't hear many storylines. Okay? That is the good news. Okay? The bad news is. I had to hear myself say that. Okay, just kidding. All right, I don't have to hear myself talk. But here is the thing that you need to know going into this. This is gonna be very informative, okay? It's gonna be very instructional. Uh, We have a pastor who preaches in an expository fashion And that's his mode and method of doing things. And so I'm just going to simply try to be second best to what Toby Castleberry would do tonight. But I am honored and privileged to be with you tonight leading us in the word of the Lord. I do have one thing that I want to make sure that I don't confuse you on because I don't want to confuse myself. What we're going to do is on your sheet, if you will take your grand scheme of things sheet, the subtitle is called Introduction to the New Testament. Having said that, Here is what I don't want to confuse you in doing. Once we get rolling, we will not tackle why is there a New Testament first? We will tackle what is the New Testament. I repeat, we will flip-flop those two, okay? So if you're somebody who likes to stay organized, if you're somebody who wants to be aware of, hey, that dude, he needs to be fired from teaching at Vernon ISD because he can't even read a sheet, okay? I'm letting you know going into it, we're gonna flip-flop, okay? So there's that disclaimer. Now, our key verses tonight, are select verses from the New Testament, we will sprinkle an Old Testament scripture in there out of Genesis, but the majority of it will come out of the New Testament. That shouldn't surprise you because we are in a paradigm shift here. I'm excited. Hopefully you're excited as well. Whenever you start something new or there's that shift, we're creatures of habit, and some people don't like change, but we're still in the Word of the Lord, amen? So we're just going to paradigm shift from the Old Testament into the New. Now, here are our key points. For those of you, once again, following on the sheet, you heard me read about what we're going to be looking at in regards to verses, okay? Not trying to lie to you, but like I said, there is one Old Testament scripture that we will add to those select New Testament verses. But let's look at our key points and what we should get tonight, okay? This is our overview set in the table for us here. Key points are, in the New Testament, God's promise of a Savior is realized in the person of Jesus Christ. The New Testament records or records, excuse me, Jesus's life, teachings, and work of salvation. It also instructs believers for life as his followers, okay? So that is what we're aiming for tonight. If you're wanting to know, hey, Doug, what should I get out of this this evening? That key point side of things can help you with that. Now, We are also gonna flip to the very back. If you have been in a study with me before, I customarily go to that back sheet to set the tone, scripturally speaking. And so if you will look in that uh, darkened section on that back page, we're gonna read 2 Peter chapter one, verses 20 through 21 together. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I think that's important to know, okay? No one's gonna really be considered a prophet unless they are giving something in advance coming from the will of God. That isn't gonna be a derivative from us, okay? And so that's important to keep in perspective. So I love that that particular verse or verses in scripture are added to this study today. All right, so now let's start heading towards the meat and the potatoes of this whole thing, if you will. What is the New Testament, okay? This is where it flip-flops on your sheet, so that's the last time I'll remind you of that. The New Testament is the second major division of our Bible, the first being the Old Testament, obviously, okay? We just finished going through that wonderful study, Um, everything from, well, you know, we're in Proverbs for a while, just like we're on uh, Proverbs for a while on our Sunday night study. So just as a quick example, that's where we have been within the framework of the Old Testament. Uh, It is made up of 27 books, which include, okay, whenever there's a list of things, y'all know that I'm going to pause a little bit. I'm going to speak a little bit softer, a little bit slower, Because if you like pastoral sermons, okay, I'm not Toby, but I respect his beautiful mind in terms of giving us points and using things like alliteration and things of that nature. Here is number one in regards to what these 27 books include. Number one, the Gospels, okay, I think we would all agree that we could take a shot in the dark and get that one right if we were in a Bible trivia course right now. The Gospels are recounting the life and work of Jesus. So i repeat, number one, the Gospels. Number two, the second thing that these 27 books include, the recorded history of the formation of the church known as the Acts of the Apostles. i repeat, number two, the recorded history. Of the formation of the church, known as the Acts of the Apostles, okay? That's why, obviously, we have the book Acts within the New Testament. Third thing that we are trying to look at that these 27 books include, 21 letters written to both individuals and churches, okay? I'm liking this numbers game right now. I'm not going to lie. It's neat to put things into perspective, huh? There's that P word again that you know I like to speak about a lot in the classroom and in this setting as well. Number three, I repeat, 21 letters written to both individuals and churches. Fourth and final in regards to what these 27 books include. Hey, we're all a fan of this. We're in the here and now. This is speaking our language, if nothing else is. The Revelation, okay? The Revelation is a prophetic book of encouragement foretelling of future events. Last repeat on these one, two, three, and four. The fourth and final, the Revelation, a prophetic book of encouragement foretelling of future events. And what a blessing it's been to dive into that. Okay, we're into chapter three of Revelation on Sunday mornings. So those of you who are in here, you know what we're talking about in that. Those online that haven't joined us yet, come get some of that. Toby's doing a wonderful job leading us in the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings. Now, Here is that thing that I told you about. Here comes the flip-flop from your sheet. We just discussed what is the New Testament. Here comes why is there a New Testament. One of the beauties of being a teacher, I'm never going to chunk parents under the bus. Why would I do that? I'm a parent myself, right? But guess what we parents get to do as parents? We get to use that almighty phrase of because I said so, right? And Kids need to listen to that, okay? I won't go off on the tangent as why they should listen to us. Told, excuse me. Mr. Marco, right, did a great job leading us in that study a few Sundays ago. But a lot of people want to know the why. Well, guess what? Here's the beautiful thing. We've discussed the what in the New Testament, so here comes the why. This question could be very profound and result in a huge, deep answer. However... The simple truth is the New Testament exists to make Jesus known. That's that's an awesome thing to hear, right? If we're going to say all glory be to Christ, then that should be why this is in existence. In it, we meet Jesus and hear of his ministry. In it, we learn of his claims to be the Messiah and the many validations of that claim. In it, we learn of his work of salvation, truly standing as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise God for that. Simply, Jesus is revealed, heralded, and celebrated throughout the account of the New Testament. So I will repeat that last sentence for those of us who like to have points as to why. Simply, Jesus is revealed, heralded, and celebrated throughout the account of the New Testament. My brothers and sisters, how awesome would this planet be if our very existence was to be simply to reveal, herald, and celebrate Christ? Man, how awesome. That that would just be absolutely wonderful, right? We get a chance to do that, okay? You can do that. I'm not going to keep you from doing that. So the next chance when you step out of these walls, think about revealing, heralding, and celebrating our Lord. What great opportunities we have. Okay, for those of you who like page turns, hey, we just knocked one out. Y'all are doing a beautiful job, okay? Let's go ahead and continue within why is there a New Testament. And all of that, serves that we would not just gain information and a knowledge of Jesus, but that in knowing him, we would believe. We hear this a lot. You know about Jesus, but do you know him? Okay, you've heard that. I'm not going to go off on that tangent. we've, We've heard that plenty. But John said it like this, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That is out of John chapter 20, verse 31. Once again, John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. If we love Jesus, then a study of the New Testament should get us excited. I know every one of us have different temperaments. I know that we're all geared differently, okay? That's why in a classroom, we're going to have different learning styles, okay? We're going to cater to those different learning styles. Every time that I read a passage as an English teacher, if I'm the one reading it out loud, then the next time we read, we're probably going to read it silently, Or the next time we read, we're probably going to let one of the kids lead us in the read and then trade off to another kid. That is called different learning styles. Why am I mentioning that? I know not everybody looks the same way when they're excited. If you've ever seen me coach basketball or any sport on the sideline, you'd probably call me a psychopath, okay? I know Toby's walked up to me before at the end of a game going, man, when people say that I'm about to stroke out when I'm preaching, You're even worse. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that, okay? But I get excited. But that same excitement doesn't have to stop on a sideline. I'm excited to leave this with you tonight. I'm excited that I serve in a body of Christ where I'm even allowed up here in the praise and worship team. I'm excited. I could go on and on, right? But one of the main ways we can do that, simply smile. If we truly have the joy of the Lord and he is our strength, Let it show on your face. This life's too short to mope around and just looking like somebody shot your dog, okay? That's that's not what we're trying to convey there. So once again, if we love Jesus, then a study of the New Testament should get us excited. Now here comes a rhetorical question. I don't ask it just because I'm an English teacher. I ask it because this is part of our notes. What do you know about Jesus outside of scripture? I want you to think about this, I love this question. This is a very thought-provoking question. It's simple, but it's neat. What do you know about Jesus outside of Scripture? If you've answered that for yourself, wonderful. If you haven't yet, you're about to hear something that's possibly gonna make you go, oh, aha, that makes sense. To know the Word, we have to know the Word. Now that's not a play on words, y'all. Remember, we know in Scripture that the word became flesh. So who is the word? We're speaking of Jesus. So let's hear that again, okay? This is a neat quote. Those of you who follow me or have me on social media, you know that I just use Facebook to spit the Lord's goodness. Man, I wish, I wish that I had had this come into my heart and mind to post out there. To know the word, we have to know the word, okay? So that's, that's really neat. I want you to wrap your hearts and minds around that. What a great statement there. Now, once again, here we are in the sheet. The flip-flop is taken care of in regards to the order that we were tackling that. Now we are under the category of the similarities in the Old and New Testaments. Once again, the similarities in the Old and New Testaments. It is important to see the New Testament for what it is, a division of the same book, the Bible. It is not a new book or a separated book or a separate book, excuse me. Rather, it is a continuation of the one book. It is not book two in a two book series. The New Testament, like the Old Testament, is the Word of God. Both are the revelation of God to man, both include the perfect. Infallible, ah, good vocabulary word there, right? Love that. I would get that to my students. Infallible authoritative words from God. The reason, both have the same divine author, God himself. All of the Bible made up of both its major divisions tells us of the need for a savior. So here come some bulleted concepts I want to give you, okay? So let's think of it this way. All of the Bible made up of both of its major divisions tell us of the, here's number one, need for a Savior, okay? Number two, the promise of a Savior. I repeat, we can have the second concept of what this is telling us, the promise of a Savior, and then thirdly, the provision of that, uh, of that Savior in Jesus, Number three, the provision of that Savior in Jesus. It is awesome to see the same theme and purpose carried out through both of the major divisions. Those major divisions obviously being the Old and New Testaments, revealing a mighty unity in the Word of God. From the first word of Genesis to the last word of Revelation, we have a unified message From God. So here we are. We now need what some people would call textual evidence, okay? Once again, within the classroom, students would be looking for things like this called supporting details and things along those lines. So, under the category within my Bible, we are first going to read, and none of these scriptures are very long, they're mostly about a verse apiece. But the first one we're gonna start with in regards to supporting uh, these thoughts, under the category within my Bible on the NIV side of stuff, this is under God's final word, his son. I'm gonna read from Hebrews chapter one, verses one through two. I repeat, Hebrews chapter one, verses one through two. God's final word, his son. In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets as many at many times and in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Once again that is Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 2. Another supporting scripture we're going to find in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. My subtitle in this case is going to read a final charge to Timothy. This of course comes from the hand of Paul. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Once again, that is out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So there are those supporting details. Let's continue. Can you understand the New Testament apart from the Old Testament? Today, some people try and unwed the Old and New Testaments. That's a very true statement. If you have been studying the Word for a substantial amount of time or you have been in the Lord's house, then you will come across the thought of basically people trying to act like which one of these is more important, the Old and the New Testament. Well, you can't do that, okay? You're heading the wrong direction if that's something that you're trying to delve into. So I believe in what I just told you so much that here's that repeat of that statement again that I just read. Today, some people try and unwed the Old and New Testaments. So let's see what we need to think about that. The truth is it utterly is impossible to understand the New Testament outside of a basic understanding of the Old Testament. To understand the Messiah revealed in the New Testament, we have to understand the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. Now, we just finished the category of the similarities in the Old and New Testaments. So now, if you will turn to the back, if you need that guidance and reminder, we find ourselves in the differences in the Old and the New Testaments, While the New Testament is a section of the Bible as a whole and is similar in many important ways, it is also noticeably different in many ways from the Old Testament. To most quickly sum it up, the Old Testament was committed to telling the world that Jesus was needed and Jesus was coming. The New Testament is different in that it proclaims Jesus has come. The Old Testament told us of the failing of the law to save us and the dire need we have for a savior. The New Testament tells us Jesus fulfills the law and then in his grace extends his righteousness to us. Now, I want you to think about that word righteousness. Don't want to give you a spoiler alert, but the Old Testament scripture that we're going to read today is going to have that key word righteousness into it. And I bet you can have a clue of who will be tied to in terms of the father of our faith. Okay. Some might observe the Old Testament is the Hebrew Scripture, the Word of God spoken to and through His people, the Hebrews. Those same people might ask, where then did the New Testament come from? Good question. The New Testament is the written word of God. Recording, you ready? Here comes some bullets if you want to break it up this way. This is what the New Testament is recording. Number one, the coming of Jesus. Okay? I don't know about you, and you have heard me break out into singing in front of you before as we study together. Well, guess what? I am what I am. So it might be July, but it's really hard for me not to sit there and hear that and go, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Guess what? Why do you think we have hymns slash songs like that? Because we are indeed heralding the coming of Jesus, right? So that's point number one. Number two, this is the other thing that the New Testament is recording, his work of salvation. So number two, his work of salvation. And number three, his mission for the church. So the third and final thing that we are looking into what it is recording here is his mission for the church. Where the Old Testament came through the Jewish people, the New Testament came through the church. The 27 books we hold as the New Testament came through a process called canonization. This process was used to determine what writings would be counted as inspired scripture or deemed as something else, okay? Now, I've got to pause right here. I don't care at this point in the game if my students call me a dork or a nerd or what have you. I envy somebody in this room, <coughs> Robbie Spencer. Just kidding, okay? I use I try not to call people out there out there, right? But I like social studies. I find it interesting. I am not certified to teach social studies or history or geography and things of that line within the state of Texas. But what we are studying tonight, this paradigm shift is pretty neat for a dork slash nerd slash whatever you want to call me, dweeb, what have you. Because this is informative. This is, this is really neat, okay? And Robbie, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you're probably eating this up, right? This is neat to see the background of this stuff, okay? So there were three main criteria for a writing to be included in the New Testament. So let's keep learning here. All 27 books passed this standard. Obviously, or else they would not be in what you and I are blessed to hold in our hands, right? Number one, it must come from an apostle, either their writing directly or from their close associates. Once again, number one, this is one of the standards. It must come from an apostle, either their writing directly or from their close associates. Number two on the standard, it must not contradict change, or conflict with any other claim of Scripture, okay? You knew your pastor would have to throw some C's in there. Did y'all hear that, right? Sounds like he's he's, he's here in our midst, right? Contradict, C, change, C, conflict, C, right? Hey, hey, I'm feeling them here. It must not contradict change or conflict with any other claim of Scripture. That was number two. Number three, in terms of our standards, it must have been widely held and accepted as scripture by the church from the very start once again point number three on a standard it must have been wild, widely held and accepted as scripture by the church from the very start all right here comes our home run trot we're going from third to home here because what we have left those of you who knew we were on the back with the differences in the Old and New Testaments, we now have this special case. This is where we really open it up here, okay? This is where we really get to see what is said about tough questions in this life that we live. Here it comes. Special case, and we don't have many special cases within these studies, okay? If you, if you are new to this study, You don't always see a special case, so let's indulge. Was salvation different in the Old Testament from the New Testament? Or how were people in the Old Testament saved before the coming of Jesus? Powerful question, right? Good stuff. Some people have wondered if we are saved by faith in Jesus alone, and Jesus had not yet come, How were Old Testament era people saved? Hmm. Was it by law-keeping, performing sacrifices, by lineage, or some other means? Now, think about your own personal reading and your own post-personal study within the Old Testament. I can understand why people would ask these questions. I seriously can't. Here's why. Was the law huge in the Old Testament? Check were sacrifices performed in the Old Testament. Check. This is where this really gets neat, right? I'm about to probably get filled with the Holy Spirit right here and saying this one. Think about that one and only sacrifice, praise God, that Jesus did. The sacrificial lamb, the Lion of Judah, also being the sacrificial lamb to cleanse us of our sins. Wow, just incredible. Okay, there there it is. I told you. Here, Here comes the Holy Spirit. That's just powerful stuff. Now, here is the other thing. By lineage. How many times have we been reading in the Old Testament? Now, I know what you're going to say. I know where you can go to in the New Testament that said, so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, and you just read this long lineage. But I could see where these people are coming from or some other means, right? So here we are. Here's the buildup. So let's get ready to touch home plate on this one, okay? And no, I don't say that reference or use that analogy once again because Robbie's a baseball guy like I'm a baseball guy. This is another place we see the unity of God's plan through the unity of Scripture. There has been and still is only one way to be saved, by faith in the Messiah, Jesus. The Old Testament era people convicted of their sin were saved by trusting in God's promised Saviour. Simply, they had faith in God where we are saved by trusting in Jesus, the Savior who has come. They were saved by trusting in Jesus, the Savior who was promised to come. Salvation in all times has been by faith and the object of that faith has always been Jesus. Okay? Remember, this is the most awesome story ever told. We're talking about Genesis through Revelation and the almighty connection there, right? Now, this is where I told you that we would be administering some reading within the Old Testament. So here it comes, okay? Let's enjoy this because it's our one and done, if you will. The Lord's covenant with Abraham, right? I told you that we had mentioned the word righteousness earlier? Well, here it comes in terms of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. I repeat, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, the Lord's covenant with Abraham. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. You know why I love that verse? Is there anything fancy about that verse? No, there was nothing fancy about what I just read there. Check it out, it's super fast and it's to the point, there's nothing being embellished there, it simply reads, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Y'all, that's the awesome thing about our testimony as believers. If you believe in Christ and you profess that with your mouth, hey, it's not complicated, okay? So when we leave these walls and we get a chance to witness and testify, Faith, faith in this case that we just read, the belief considered righteousness. Awesome. Now, the next scripture, okay? Romans chapter 4, verse 3. So here comes Romans chapter 4, verse 3. We're going to make an Abraham reference again. This subtitle, once again, in my new international version, the NIV version, is subtitled Abraham justified by faith, Romans chapter 4, verse 3. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Did we basically just click and hit the repeat button there? Yeah. We just finished basically reading that same thing out of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Hey, there's no more beautiful way that I could show you of the meshing of the Old Testament into the New Testament than to actually have the New Testament quote the Old Testament. We just live that out right there on the spot. Yes? There it is. Okay? It doesn't have to be complicated. And so lastly, okay, lastly, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. This will be our last scripture reference of the night in our study. This subtitle is called Faith in Action. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through two. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. You wanna use an on-the-spot example of an ancient? Could we reference or make the reference to Abraham as an ancient? Check, okay? So he was commended for that belief, that kind of faith. Once again, that was Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. So, ladies and gentlemen, I told you that was the last scripture, and that last scripture was the last part of this particular study. Very, very much so an instructional piece tonight, okay? And so hopefully you were as blessed as I was in terms of appreciating this paradigm shift from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And the only thing that gets me a little bit more excited than that is seeing what next week will consist of as we have now introduced why and what and all that uh, part of the good things of this paradigm shift in the New Testament and seeing exactly what part of the New Testament we study next, okay? What a blessing. So, appreciate you being here with us tonight. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, thank you that we are a people that can use so much to our advantage in this life. Why? Because you have given us our hearts. You have given us our minds. You have given us spirits. You have given us the ability to comprehend, to understand, and to study. And Lord, this has been very informative tonight. I thank you for the opportunity uh, to be part of this study to appreciate the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament and knowing that, it is, a, that it, is a, it is a story of our almighty Savior Jesus from Genesis all the way through the end of Revelation like we are blessed to study on Sunday mornings. Father, I lift up Kathy to you. I lift up Brenda to you. We are thankful that we can intercede for one another in prayer. We're grateful for her progression thus far off this hip surgery. And we are thankful for doctors' hands and for others' care in this very moment. Father, we ask once again that you would be with Toby and with Carrie and with Kel and Will and Sarah and continue to just have them be a family that can enjoy each other's presence, that can love on one another, and bring them back with the fire and the fervor that you have placed in their lives to lead this particular congregation. Lord, what a blessing they are. I thank you for these brothers and sisters I thank you that we can walk in faith, that we can believe in Jesus Christ our Lord, and it is in his holy and precious, awesome, powerful name that we pray. Amen.